From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Week Ahead podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress and the federal government shape the real world. I'm David Hawkins, senior editor at CQ Roll Call, filling in this week for Sean Zeller, who's on vacation. The functionality or dysfunctionality of the Senate has been on everybody's mind lately, at least in this newsroom, because of the recent debate over health care. And now that the Senate is heading out on recess, we thought we'd bring in our Senate editor, Ed Pesch, to talk about how the Senate has been working or not working this year and compared to years past. Good morning, Ed. Hello, David. It's good to be with you today, especially right before recess when we finally see some Senate action. So, Ed, the Senate is getting ready to leave on its August recess a few days later than normal um, and a few days later than scheduled. Uh, And it seems as though it is um, sort of at a nadir, sort of a behavioral nadir. Can you just sort of set the stage for us as to as to why I might think that? One thing I've noticed is that the um, the business piling up for the Senate has been mounting as we've approached the August recess. And a number of senators on the Republican side were basically demanding additional time. And, and Majority Leader Mitch McConnell gave them that time and, and extended the recess for another two weeks. Uh, wrapping up the health care consideration this past week, it seems like there's something afoot to get them out a little bit earlier than that additional two-week period. So in the days leading up to this recess, obviously the health care debate first and foremost, uh, the Democrats were complaining bitterly about a lack of regular order. Uh, it seems as though members were getting relatively short with one another, kind of testy at the end. What's behind that? Starting at the beginning of the year, the uh, the Senate leadership basically set, laid out the, the schedule for the health care um, legislation that was considered this past week. And uh, that has set a fairly bitter tone for uh, at least the Democrats as they, they see what's going on. And um, they have not been inclined necessarily to expedite consideration. And a lot of the business that has been piling up is because it's been very difficult to get those agreements between the senators to, to, to move things and get them out of town for the August break. So, so to, to back up, just to say what I know you know better than anybody, which is the way the Senate is supposed to work, it takes a unanimous consent of every senator to get almost anything done. And as soon as that unanimous consent breaks down, uh, then relatively rapidly, people are talking about filibusters and delay and two or three days to do the simplest of things. The Democrats feel as though they have not been treated fairly this year in particular? I would say that a vast majority of the consideration in the Senate has been through a lot of expedited procedures, whether that's through the complicated budget reconciliation process that we just saw for the health care this past week or earlier in the year, when the Senate considered a number of Congressional Review Act uh, pieces of legislation that only require a simple majority. A lot of that has not allowed much participation for Senate Democrats. And that frustration has been mounting, especially when you look at the consideration and the pace of nominations since President Donald Trump was inaugurated back in January. Right, because because to, to review... Last year under under Harry Reid or a couple of years ago when Harry Reid was the majority leader for the Democrats, he engineered a so-called nuclear option to do away right. with the filibuster on all nominees except for the Supreme Court 
And then as everybody or many listeners may remember, uh, this year, Mitch McConnell, as the Republican majority leader for the Republicans, uh, extended that to the only nominee that wasn't covered previously, which is to the Supreme Court. So the minority on nominations hasn't really had much time to talk or to say much or to do much by way of protest. Congressional Review Act, which was the special law to undo regulations, doesn't allow much time to talk. Budget reconciliation doesn't allow much time to talk. But it's more than just talking. The Democrats also feel aggrieved that off the floor, they haven't had much, they haven't been asked to participate too much in the actual drafting of bills. I would agree with that. And and the evidence is in how we, we've observed the health care legislation that's been working and hovering over everything for the past few months. The reconciliation procedure allows Senate Republicans to essentially move it with a simple majority. They don't need Democrats in order to advance that legislation. The problem is that when you tie that to the other items that uh, Senate leadership want to move, including a number of the nominations, it appears that the, the, the Senate Democrats are not inclined to allow any expedited consideration. They want to take every nomination one at a time. And what that means is through Senate procedure, they can get 30 hours of debate on each and every one. So the hundreds of nominations that need to be confirmed through the Senate could take years if they were to actually take the time to go through each procedural hurdle. So in the past, we have seen different Senate leaders come to an agreement where they will expedite the consideration and move them in what they call on block or by unanimous consent and, and, and get them through the Senate and into their positions. We're not seeing a whole lot of that this year. So let's listen now for a second as um, Mitch McConnell, is um, one of his last speeches before the August recess begins, sort of has a hopeful tone about how things might be uh, when they come back in the fall. There's a great deal of bipartisan consensus about what ails our tax code. And my hope is that our friends on the other side of the aisle will join us in a serious way to address it. When the Senate returns in the fall, the, the big item that President Trump wants to get done which was now that number one on his agenda, health care seems to have been shelved indefinitely. Number two on the president's agenda was an overhaul of the tax code and potentially a deep tax cut. What are the prospects for bipartisanship in the Senate on that score? The Senate Finance Committee did hold a hearing recently on uh, uh, broad principles as far as tax reform goes. And it does seem that um, there's a lot of discussion about moving tax reform or tax legislation through the regular order. Yesterday, the Senate Democrats sent a letter to the White House and to Senate leadership basically saying that these are the principles we want to pursue as we move forward in a bipartisan way with, with the tax legislation. And in that, they said that they wanted to go through the regular order and not use reconciliation. Well... In a very short period of time, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell came out and said that they were going to pursue reconciliation with a simple majority for that legislation. And I noticed this morning that when when he was on the floor discussing it, he was talking repeatedly about going through the regular ordering committee where, where senators could contribute. But I don't know how far that will extend through the process as they move into the fall to consider an, an actual bill. Doing reconciliation, doing this expedited procedure and relying only on Republican votes didn't work on health care. At least it hasn't to this point. It would seem as though doing trying to repeat that and do reconciliation again on taxes 
with only Republican votes would be a high risk strategy because once again he'd have to have only he'd have to get the support of 50 of his 52 Republicans and that and each time he does this the Democrats will feel more and more aggrieved so some some people who are just uh, tuning in to watch Congress because of the advent of the Trump administration which has kind of heightened interest in Washington have have taken to the conventional wisdom that the the Senate's sort of nickname as the world's greatest deliberative body has sort of become a joke. And actually, last week, uh, John McCain himself gave voice to that when he came back to the Senate. Our deliberations today, not just our debates, but the exercise of all of our responsibilities, are often lively and interesting. They can be as sincere and principled, but they are more partisan, more tribal, more of the time than at any time that I can remember. Our deliberations can still be important and useful, but I think we'd all agree they haven't been overburdened by greatness lately. And right now, they aren't producing much for the American people. Both sides have let this happen. Let's leave the history of who shot first to the historians. So, Ed, you've been watching uh, the Senate uh, for almost as long as John McCain has been a senator. Maybe not. Almost. Almost. <laughs> so so one of the things that Mr. McCain was just referring to there was that the Senate is filled with um, slights to, to one another. Part, Democrats offend Republicans. For example, when, when Chuck Schumer himself, the, the minority leader, voted against McConnell's own wife to be transportation right. secretary, Elaine Chao. Last year, McConnell uh, held the Supreme Court seat open for an entire year after Antonin Scalia died, meaning that President Barack Obama's choice of Merrick Garland never even got a hearing. Before that, when McConnell, at the start of the Obama presidency, it was seemed very personal when he said, my main goal is to keep uh, the president as a one-term president. Anyway, it seemed the um, personal slight giving seems to be on the rise. David, the, the slights, as far as I can tell, the slights are not being let go as they move forward. And when I was look, when I was thinking about some of the previous uh, leaders of the Senate, for example, uh, George Mitchell, Democrat from Maine, he he was talking about how there needs to be trust between the leaderships, and that a f- an enemy today could be a friend tomorrow, especially when it comes with different legislation. So if if healthcare was trouble. Uh, maybe you could, maybe the the Senate leaderships could then turn to some Senate Democrats to see if they could woo them into the process for tax legislation. One of the things I've noticed is that the the language that came up during the health care debate, where they they pursued the the reconciliation process, it basically seemed to send a signal that Democrats need not apply. We're going to go it alone if we can't get the participation, and. With, with Majority Leader Mitch McConnell saying that they may pers- they're, they're probably going to pursue reconciliation this time, that could be sending a very clear signal that, that Democrats may not be as welcome into the process as regular order might imply. And Schumer, for his part, is saying, please include us. Schumer seems at this point to be reaching out to McConnell in a way that makes me wonder, and I'm wondering... Do, do those two get along? Do they actually have a relationship? But beyond the brickbats and the and the slights, uh, are they able to actually treat one another as uh, serious party leaders? And do they seem to can they do business together? One thing that we're noticing here is that the as they're as they're trying to wrap up and get out for the for the August recess, they were able to move at least eight 
Department of Defense nominations quickly through unanimous consent last night. And um, Minority Leader Schumer has tied a lot of this to the consideration of health care. And now that that seems to be on hold, uh, legislation is starting to move. In particular, I noticed that the Veterans Choice Program was reauthorized in, in short order last evening, which needed to be done before the recess because they would have run out of money otherwise. So they're, they're, they're definitely working on an agreement to get what they need done, done so that they can take their August break. The VA bill is important, obviously. These nominations are important. But if you look back uh, in history, Mitchell, George Mitchell, who you mentioned a minute ago, I mean, he and Bob Dole were able to talk to one another, sort of serious leader to serious leader. Called each other friends. Called each other friends, seemed genuinely friendly. And they were able to do some much heavier lifting in their day. And I, I think Trent Lott and... Tom Daschle, when they were the two right. leaders, did some pretty heavy lifting. They, for example, uh, took the entire Senate behind closed doors at the start of, the, of President Bill Clinton's impeachment trial and were able to get all 100 senators to agree to a plan to have the trial quickly. They, they knew the, what the verdict was going to be in the end. Right. Um, one doesn't get the sense that big things are possible between McConnell and Schumer right now. Given the lessons of health care, it seems that any kind of major big issue is going to run into opposition if it's going to haunt you in elections in the future. And that is playing out now as we see them struggle with what to do about health care. Now, on, on a hopeful note, the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee under uh, Chairman Lamar Alexander and Ranking Member Patty Murray have scheduled some hearings to discuss healthcare legislation in the wake of what happened last week. There, there are signs of hope, but the seeds of, uh, of, of discontent of, of the conflict have been sown a while ago, and, and I think we're seeing that play out in the Senate this year thus far. And on that somewhat optimistic and hopeful note, Ed, we thank you very much. That's Ed Pesht, one of the senior Senate editors here at CQ. I'm David Hawkins, a senior editor at CQ Roll Call. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One.